His federal lawsuit was for injunctive relief and damages on behalf of two organizations chartered to protect the monarch. It had been filed and fast-tracked to beat the spring planting season. If successful, it would stop this year's transgenetic corn crop from going into the ground in May and would pay out damages to his two client organizations. However, the real reason for the suit was to force the government to re-examine the long-term downstream effects of bio-enhanced food. Herman felt a surge of anger as he had these thoughts, and with it, adrenaline coursed through his tired, sluggish body, doing God knows what to his already jackhammering heart. He fumed about his lawsuit and the arrogant disinterest of the government watchdog agencies and private labs he was suing. The biologically enhanced corn was only supposed to kill off mites and pests that ate the corn stalks. But because of inadequate or sloppy testing, it was killing the monarch butterfly as well, and no one else seemed to give a damn. Herman stood in front of the men's room mirror and glowered at his sagging jowls and shaggy curly hair that always seemed unkempt. It was then he noted with mild consternation that he had mixed his numbers again. Herman was colorblind and used a number scheme to stay in one color zone or another. His lovely daughter Susan, light of his life, friend, colleague, and paralegal, carefully chose his court attire, sewing little numbers on the labels of matching outfits. But he had dressed in the dark this morning, not wanting to wake her. She'd been up all night typing pre-trial motions. He had decided this would be a number three day, but standing in the dark closet, squinting at the numbers, he had mixed some eights in with the threes. The result was close to disaster. He had on his gray and black check jacket, a blue and green striped shirt, and a bright yellow tie. He looked like the host for a Saturday morning kid's cartoon show. Herman grabbed his heavy briefcase, then lugged it down the hall to the borrowed office, turned on the lights, and sat behind his desk. It was eleven o'clock when Susan finally came through the door and dropped her briefcase on the chair opposite his desk. She had inherited all of her mother's physical and mental perfection and none of her shallowness. Lillian was a wealthy country club brat who had rebelled against her waspish upbringing by choosing Herman Strockmar Jr. over a field of more acceptable, attractive suitors. He had always been puzzled by her choice until he finally realized it was just her spoiled way of giving her domineering father the finger. Lillian had said she loved Herman's idealism, that she had never met anyone with thoughts as deep as his, thoughts about the environment or civil rights or governmental abuse. Her allowance, given to her by her father each month, was more than Strachmeyer Sr. took home from his mill job, and it helped Herman through the last year of Harvard Law School. So although he resented taking the money, it allowed him to quit his side jobs and concentrate on his studies full-time. However, Lillian soon found out that a steady diet of idealism and heavy thoughts, like her membership in the vegan society, was boring. Bottom line, Herman was pretty much of a drag. Lillian soon flitted away from him, as beautiful and carefree as the monarch butterfly he now defended, leaving behind one lasting treasure, his daughter, Susan. "'You heard from Roland yet?' Susan asked, carrying a stack of pre-trial motions across the office. She set them on the side table, kicked off her shoes, then sat and put her nylon feet up on his desk. Nope. Guess he's still up in San Francisco looking for the lab where those pricks are hiding their research. Once I get the right data bank, I'll spring a discovery motion on them, and hopefully they won't have time to digitally erase the evidence before I get a hold of it. Roland will find it for me. He can't stand to lose. Roland Minton was a 22-year-old computer hacker with dyed purple hair who worked for Herman as an electronic detective. He was one of four full-time employees of Herman's law firm, the Institute for Planetary Justice. Dad, are you okay? You look terrible. 
Hermit went for an airy grin and a casual wave of his meaty right hand, then turned toward the window to avoid closer scrutiny. Just stressed, baby. Did you call to see which federal judge we got after Miller was reassigned? They had received the notification just yesterday. The chief district court judge had reassigned the jurist on their case after jury selection and only two days before the injunction hearing. They were waiting to be notified of the new judge so they could look him up in the federal reporter and read about his past decisions. Herman flipped through a legal pad, found the number of the federal building in L.A., and slid it across the desk toward her. She crossed to the guest phone and dialed. Hello, I like the clerk's office, please, she said as she searched for a pencil. This is Herman Strachmeyer's office. We're seeking injunctive relief and damages on behalf of the Food Policy Research Center and the Union of Concerned Scientists versus USDA, EPA, FDA et al., case number CO3769M. We were notified that the chief judge made a last-minute change in the judicial...